Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. And I'm Jason Wetzke. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Heck yes. Team, if you want to find us on the internet, go to trustthejourney.today. That is our website and our Instagram. So if you'd like to join the Trust the Journey family, which is our expanded community where we expand conversations and connections more directly with listeners and and our family we you know really consider it's a family so please join us to do that go to our website trustthejourney.today scroll down there's an orange button where you can donate on patreon and we'll add you to that private facebook group but yeah subscribe share whatever you're compelled and called to do and we are grateful and very happy you're with us. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's do this. So let's dive into this next episode. So we are in our Reflections series. We've done one episode each, uh, interviewing each other, reflecting on our lives and our history of what has made us who we are. And the last first two episodes we did were about our skydiving um backgrounds and what where we got started and now we're moving into the realm of spirituality yeah what has brought us to be the spiritual beings that we are today or what does our spiritual being history look like is another way to make it to say it yeah yeah i love it so in thinking about this episode and thinking about the opportunity that i have to interview you you know i really feel like it's an opportunity because i get to learn so much from you by hearing about, you, you know, I know we talk about that a lot, but the I'm excited to bring my curiosity to this, you know what I mean? And so when I was thinking about what I first would want to ask, and there's a million things I want to ask, but I want to start with something more broad and ask, what is spirituality, bunny ears? What is spirituality like the what does that mean to you? Like, what is that to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think this is a, like, this is a question that we all ask ourselves at some point or another. <clears throat> For me, it's uh, the awareness of self, you know, like just knowing that you exist forces the concept of the question, why? You know, why do like when we come into this point in our lives where we suddenly have the ability to see the world and ourselves and say, how did this all get to be here? Why am I here? Where do I, where does all this come from? And then, you know, most of us are taught something, some story, given some story as to what that story looks like. But I think for myself, that question is really the root in the word why. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So thank you. With, with that, can you take us to one of your 
earlier sort of breakthrough moments? Like I, I, I obviously we would need to know kind of where you started and stuff in terms of a spiritual journey or a religious influence or, you know, sort of I'm curious where sort of you had one of your first breakthroughs around quote unquote spirituality and what it is for you. So when I, I don't need to caveat that every time team for people listening, I'm, I mean it relative to you when I'm, when I'm saying that going forward. So like what was your first or one of your first breakthroughs around spirituality? Uh, that's a really another one you've got me thinking. And, and actually I can, I can really place a moment, um, Back around the time when I was around 20, 21 years old, I would say that I think there's a period where, so as a young boy, I was brought up Christian, um, typical like Presbyterian, Protestant, Catholic, Methodist, Anglican. Well, maybe not typical. Maybe I had a lot of different, but Christian, you know, um, and I read the Bible, you know, um, I read it twice, wow. cover to cover. And I did that when I was probably nine years old the first time and maybe like 12 years old the second time. And I can remember clearly not really believing what I was reading or or getting to the point in my consciousness developing as a young boy in that nine to 12 year old range where I was questioning what I was being told, um, that a lot of the things that I was being given as absolutes didn't make sense, didn't line up. I heard a lot of contradictory things. And so I started to look into it for myself and just read the book and just read the book for what the book says. Yeah. And after reading the Bible a couple of times and then deciding to just think about it mm -hmm. and just take a break and think about it and just allow myself to look at it as a book and read it and take what it has to offer. I then just kind of said, I, I guess this is the definition of uh, agnostic is I don't know what I don't know. So mm -hmm. how can I know? Sure. So, I distinctly took that position as about a 12-year-old thinking, yeah. I know this is a book that says all this stuff in it, but I know that a man wrote it. So what can I believe if it's just a book written by a man? And I sat on that for about the next nine or 10 years. So, mm -hmm. so the period from about you know 10 or 12 years old to 20 years old yeah. was a period of just hands in the air of like, I'm not taking ownership to any kind of concept of knowledge of what spirituality or yeah. knowing of anything is. Mm -hmm. And I basically just took that hands-off position. But then around the age of 2021, 20, I was on my own in life, uh, living alone and finding my way in the world. And I can distinctly remember having a moment where I just knew, like I just like in my feel, like by feeling inside, like letting my my own internal knowledge, like just listening to my to my knowing, 
you know, like listening to my gut of like, you know, you know this, you know, like it's not what you've read. It's not what you've been told. It's not what you think you're supposed to do. It's just a knowing. And I remember that moment because I was alone in my basement apartment that I lived in in you know, suburb of Toronto and uh, it was a Saturday morning and I remember I was going to go to the drop zone and I was just knowing that there was a bigger picture to everything. Oh, amazing. Amazing. It, it's fascinating. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, s- some part of that was able to arise because of the solitude Definitely. Or, or not. Yeah, Defin- okay, yeah. De- oh, yeah. For sure, it's the peeling away of the layers of the onion. Like, um, you know, because I lost my parents early. Mm-hmm. And then that was in that 9 to 12-year-old range. And then mm-hmm. being alone for the, you know, m- more and more alone over that time. Peeling away from my family and separating from my friends. Actually, I had separated from my core friends group at that mm-hmm. time. Wow. And had peeled off. And I was just working. And I really didn't have any, you know, I didn't have a best friend at that point. You know, that was like a moment in life where I'm like, oh, I don't have a person I just hang out with that fills all my time. It became me that just filled all my time. And so, yeah, there's definitely a relationship to that. And, And, you know, when you get to a certain point in your maturation towards adulthood, you know, somewhere in that 18 to 20 year old range, like there's a reason why we're kind of given the reins to our life at that range, at that age is because we start to be able to comprehend things at a different way. And I think I hit that point in myself where my maturation of self-realization was happening. And I'm like, oh, it's just me in the world. I'm, if it's, this is it, you know, I live here on my own. I can't depend on anybody to do anything for me. I don't have anybody to look to for help or support. It's really just figure it out or die. And it's really scary. Yeah. Life is really, really scary. And I remember that that was spurring that whole line of thought of like, what are you going to do with your life? What's the whole point of all this? Why are we even here? You know, like all the big questions just yeah. spooling around everywhere. Oh, God. And it's amazing the the pain of that loneliness, it sounds like, and that fear, that the fear of life, of being like of this, oh, my God, the vastness. Terrified. Oh, so Especially in a huge city, you know, living mm-hmm. in a me- megatropolis, you know, many, many <laughs> yeah. millions of people and not having like a grounded group of core or family that I felt really could rely on or anything like that, you know? Absolutely. This yeah. knowing moment. So you have this moment of knowing or this experience in your room at your place or whatever of knowing. My kitchen. And what? In my kitchen. In your kitchen. Oh, kitchen. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's so amazing how the specificity of those intuitive moments can really last in our lives like forever remember them the details of where we were what we were doing the step we were taking what side of the counter we were leaning our hip on or whatever love that 
Um, I can remember the light coming through the window in the mm, kitchen yeah. specifically and kind of the green tones and certain, and, and I also remembering the feeling of mortality. Like there's a specific relationship to the concept of mortality. Like that was really sitting at the surface of like, there's, this is your life and it's finite, you know, and relate to this finite that it's not it's gonna change it's gonna end and how do we how do we sum this up how do we i don't know how do we relate to it how do i know it how do i know how do i know it you know what yeah absolutely and so that that sort of okay i have this experience of i acknowledge that i can't know this as a young 9 10 12 year old whatever I acknowledge that I don't know and I don't really want to touch it because that not knowing is just too much. I just know I'm not ready for that. So I'm agnostic or whatever I'm calling myself in terms of religion, spirituality, what have you. So you then have this moment of knowing and this experience of what you just described. And my next curiosity is what did that spur you to do? if anything. I had already, at that point in my life, I'd been living with a lot of anger, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of anger. For a long time, I'd had a lot of anger and always looking for ways to express and release that anger um, as a young man meant outlets. You know, what were the possible outlets? and my motorcycle was definitely one of the places where I could find solstice in myself. Um, and I think it started off as a boy with a bicycle and it carried on into motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And that event, that freedom of speed, there was this thing of like, the faster you go, the slower everything gets. Yeah. yeah. The quieter it gets, the more, the, you know, the, the faster you go, the more focused you become, the less noise. So the faster that I went as a young man, the less the anger could own me. You know, I could yeah. I could quiet all the things that were inside my head by opening the throttle. And I had, a, there was a limit to that, you know? I mean, I could push it and I pushed it really, really hard. But when I found skydiving around the same time, it also opened up this bottle of throttle of like, wow, there's yeah. no speed limits up here. I can go as fast as I want. And it takes my full attention. Mm-hmm. And that allows me the opportunity to quiet all the the questions that are in my mind of why, why all the pain, why all the anger, why all sure. the, you know, why all the struggle and hurting and all this stuff that you question it like you know if this happened if you have a life where you have a bunch of pain really early on in childhood and you start questioning you're like why would i god do this you know right. what kind of god mm-hmm. does this yeah you know so that's there's a big root in there for sure like i definitely remember being you know 12 13 and being like what the fuck god <laughs> you know <laughs> Right, kind of an understandable. You? You know? So understandable. I think that's a pretty powerful and universal question for. I, I would imagine this is true. I, again, I don't know, but 
I would imagine that's true, that contemplation around tragedy and and how that reconciles itself with a loving God or with a loving universe or with a loving, you know, whatever God we pray to or or believe in or whatever force or universality, you know, spirituality, universality that we believe in or whatever. Um, you have mentioned to me in the past about there being, and this may be skipping ahead, maybe not, about skydiving and flying having a spiritual element to you. The way that you just described it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds to me more like that initial escapism from the pain of like, I can get my brain to turn off, but I'm not sure if you're meaning that as in a spiritual sense. So is there or was there something that happened in your engagement with flight that brought about a more spiritual connectedness or peace with it? Or was that instantaneous? Yeah, you're absolutely on target with that question. And no, it wasn't instant. Uh, uh, well, I guess it's a yes and no answer. Sure, yeah. And yeah, like I, t- like I told you, my first jump, my whole life changed in an instant, right? Yeah, Like I yep. suddenly saw that the, there was a light at the end of the tunnel that everything could, I could feel. I could feel. Yeah. You know, I could feel happiness. I could feel joy. I could feel alive. Oh, I like you know? feel like I'm going to cry think, hearing you say that. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful and so moment. That moment was there of like, oh, shit, I can be okay. Um, but at the same time, it didn't, you know, cross the bridge to like finding a space in myself where I can now just be quiet in that space, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would say it actually took a very long time to mature in that genre per se and when I I say that what I mean is you know you're right when I was I was um, hell-bent for leather you know wide open throttle super aggressive taking every opportunity to take huge risks and to put myself in serious peril without even considering and just being reckless about how I was doing it, you know, like just really, really reckless because that felt alive to be on the edge of death, you know. And what I learned over the course of time and what I actually live for now when I fly is the op- is almost the exact opposite of that. It's right. the suspension of like, I love to go what I let me start this over is like no I love it this is great go ahead the going as fast as I can is only balanced in its value if you learn to go as slow as you can (laughs) it's so amazing right you you have to have the counterbalance and it took me probably the first 10 years to kind of come to that realization that going really really slow and being super super still and doing so in the sky like being just completely motionless and floating through the air have equally or greater value than going a thousand miles an hour you know Mm -hmm. that they just polarize each other you know and they bring each other value and that came through canopy piloting you know that came through swooping that 
the really slow approach to it and being hovering up in the sky as slow as a parachute would go and just let and being in a state of meditation and mindfulness that is just silently aware of every ounce of my own breath every little twitch of an eyelash every microscopic movement within myself how that's all relating to the way that my parachute's moving mm -hmm. all that stillness really creates the potential for the energy mm -hmm. you know yeah it's been a, that journey in itself has been so wonderful and the, it's actually continues now is now I find the flight that I'm looking for is more and more of the slow, more and more of the stillness, more and more of the quiet, more and more of the peace and the serenity and the and paragliding and you know flying wingsuits that hover and go super slow and like yeah. you know yeah it's it's fascinating how the polarity piece and the engagement across a spectrum seems to be part of the spiritual journey, as in. If you have a lot of speed in your life, you're potentially looking for that balancing polarity experience. Um, I just, that's a more conceptual thing. We don't necessarily need to expand on it right now because I want to ask you more things. You can, if you want to put a pin in that, go ahead. No, I would def definitely love to m at least recognize that we almost always do the mirror reflection that it's like because of something of the way that we view it's like you know the image that comes in our eyes is 180 degrees distorted from what we actually see there's <laughs> something about that in our spiritual selves too that we often seek out the opposite of what it yeah. is that we truly desire or need to have in our lives you know yeah amazing so i want to sort of skip to something else and yeah, I know you as a deeply creative person, as you know, with your connection to music and Burning Man and art. And I'm wondering about your engagement in your creative pursuits and how that, if it is, how that is connected to your spiritual evolution. Is, is there like, tell us if you can a, a more specific experience with your art and with your creating where you, again, sort of had maybe a breakthrough around spirituality and the engagement in that creative part of you. Well, sure. I mean, if you want to talk about music, I mean, I don't think that there's a religion or a spiritual practice that exists in this world that isn't centered around music. They're all wrapped in music and for me music has always had that deeply connective resonance that we all feel that makes our you know the hair on our skin goosebumps stand up you know that that deeper relationship to feeling and knowing you know through that art of expression it's um it was always a, a savior to me. Music was like the saving grace, the the soothes the savage beast kind of thing, you know. Mm. And throughout my life, I've been very aware that 
I needed to make decisions in order to ensure some grounding, some some type of action that I'm practicing. Um, you know, it's like you practice yoga to be in tune with your body. And I have always leaned towards the musical side to be in tune with my spiritual self. Amazing. It's very conscious decision yeah. that when I'm sharing music, engaging music, playing music, listening to music, relating through music, that I'm doing something that I believe is at a value that is at the highest level. Ah, oh, beautiful. I, I don't think that there's a, a value higher than relating to others through the musical experience. And now when I say that, I'm going to say that every form of art is of equal value to that. Yeah, for you, uh, music is at the top, though. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what's so... I think that's fascinating because, yeah, there's lots of people that say, oh, I'm not religious or I feel most spiritual or I feel, feel most connected or I feel most whatever when I'm surfing or when I'm walking in nature or when I'm in the in the workshop creating building or when I'm talking and really present with another or whatever you know whatever it could be any any number of things for each individual person that's what's so cool about I think this conversation is that your your story enlightens that I think a bit because uh you know you're just a a person (laughs) with your own callings and and own curiosities I I'm wondering if, so you are this young man who's more sort of alone. When did you start to find a more spiritual group? Like how did you get connected to, you know, the Burning Man culture? How did you get connected to the more spiritually centered communities that you're now connected to? Like how did you get there? You know, the big tipping points for me have been throughout the course of my young adulthood have a direct relationship to psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no there's no stepping around it or pretending that that's not the truth because it's the truth. Yeah. You know? Well, and but, that was going to be, I was going to ask about them anyway. So great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the reality is when I first encountered LSD and psilocybin, my perspective of like realization and awareness to self and everything just changed. It was just like, oh my God, I didn't see all this before, but now I can see it. It's everywhere. It's all around. It's me. It's you. It's everything. And I can distinctly remember a night where I had had a fairly large dose of psilocybin. I was in my mid twenties and I suddenly got it like, this, I just got it. Something clicked and I went, oh my, I, it's just that simple. And the music changed for me at that point in my life. There's a distinctive line in like the type of music that I listen to and why I listen to it and the value that I was receiving from it. Before that, I was still in that state of holding on to anger and music was therapeutic, but it was generally 
more of an expression of that mm-hmm. held anger. Yep. And what happened was that there was a line that occurred and it was simple. I, like I had eaten a bunch of mushrooms and I was hanging out around a campfire and I started dancing and dancing wouldn't stop. It just wouldn't stop. Like I just couldn't stop. I just had to dance. And so suddenly music oh. was celebratory and it meant this a physical expression of joy and of happiness and of just being and being in tune to being one with the music and losing myself to the music and it was a there was a there's a line in my life yeah and i the reason why i'm a dj now is because I want to create the venue and the opportunity and the space for people to be able to connect through music to themselves and to each other in that spiritual sense, because that's what happened to me. Ah, amazing. That it, thank you for doing that, for being that, you know, for aiming to facilitate those breakthroughs for others. It's amazing how those types of breakthrough moments really do drive our choices. They they put stakes in the ground and they they redirect us in I mean it can happen I think in both directions, you know, you have a trauma it can redirect you in a sort of painful way and if you have a a breakthrough, a healing moment, you like what you're just what you just described you can put a stake, a new stake in the ground and redirect yourself that way. Amazing. So, oh, you have this breakthrough and you're like, wow, I get it. Can you expand on, I get it? Can you, I don't know if that's possible, but if it's possible, can you tell us more if in words, what that means to you? Like, what was that? There's, and so I would say that, that nothing is fully encompassing, right? Like when sure. I say in that statement, I get it. What I'm referring to is there prior to that, the only time that I ever really danced and allowed myself the freedom to move in flow state with music was when I had had copious amounts of alcohol. And that was not the same thing. It was very sloppy and very, it's still a lot of anxiety. And, you know, so when I say what I I get it is, it's like a layer peeled back that kind of removed anxiety towards the idea of freedom of movement and freedom of feeling. Yeah. Like being allowed to feel the same thing that I felt in the air when I was younger and had first jumped out of a plane of that, like, oh my God, I can feel celebration. I can feel alive. I could also feel that just on the ground, just yeah. listening to music, just by allowing myself to dive inside of that vibration and releasing my thoughts that constantly distract me and hold me in the past Mm -hmm. and it's about when i'm when i say i get it what i mean is it's about being present in the moment it's about being in the now and just dancing 
and mm-hmm. not thinking about how I look when I'm dancing, not thinking about what the next thing I'm going to do is, and not thinking about what I just did. Yep. It's just being at the moment that is happening right now and not getting ahead and not being trapped in the past. And that's what I mean by getting it. It's tuning into the real present, the real now. Yeah. And so, oh, I, so that drove you to being a DJ and facilitating hope, you know, aiming to and, and creating spaces where these types of breakthroughs could be possible for others. Beautiful. And what so with rel, like relative to your experience with and your work with psychedelics as this sort of uh, spiritual partner or uh, helper or uh, again I'm not sure the word you would use necessarily but obviously you've done more work in that realm and so is there. And I feel like cr- chronologically, it's actually quite nice in this in this particular instance conversation. What is there something next that happened with your work with psychedelics that facilitated an even deeper breakthrough or bigger or different breakthrough that you had? Yeah, and so the title of our show is pretty relatable right now you know of of the journey really just began at that point and you as much as I was trying to say earlier you know oh I I finally get it It, it's like taking this the first step on a massive massive journey right and knowing okay I'm I'm on this journey is I get it that I'm on this journey now it's living that and it's it's you know taking in all the things that come down the road and it's kind of what you like divining the word divine comes to mind because there's all these paths forks in the road that you can take and in recognizing those forks as they come up of constantly going back to that same root question of why Wait, a, it's like, wait a second, why? Wait a second, why am I doing this? Why does this feel good? Or why is this that way or this this way? You know, and just constantly continuing throughout, you know, say the next 10 years of my life to ask those deeper questions every time to just dig in, you know. And so following that were the choices that I made to become a pro athlete Mm -hmm. and those relationships are codependent. You know, they're, they're not in isolation from each other. They're very much related to each other. So when I decide to go with my feeling inside that is telling me what's where my true calling is or where my true value is or like what's the thing that's most important to me and why is it most important it's that journey of learning to listen um, to one's own calling and one's own spiritual calling you know and so I don't see a relationship um, uh, I don't see a difference in the relationship between my spiritual self my choice to become an athlete and my choice to become a DJ 
and the development of myself as a person those are yeah. all they're all co-related mm-hmm. in that same path so walking that path and staying present to that that knowing of this is the right path or this is the wrong path you know and yeah. and changing it when it's time to change absolutely you know? yeah. did you have a lot of re- or like how much or if any resistance did you have to that practice of like i am going to listen to my callings like what i am feeling it, whether it is i'm going to be i'm being directed intuitively or whatever spiritually to go in the direction of a professional athlete i am called to create this company i am called to write this person an email and say hey i like you i am you know what were you in resistance to that or was that something you took on really readily i would say not a lot of resistance like early on it was a challenging thing but as the practice um gets repeated you know like the when you when i first cut away from my career and went to be skydive full-time that was the hardest and then staying the path was the next you know as things got more challenging down that road staying the path and you know like finding the actual path inside of that huge potential um takes a, a lot of going for it just going with the gut yeah and not knowing what the outcome is going to be there's a lot of fear right there's a lot of fear sometimes and a lot of i'm just going you know i mean the word fuck it comes to mind (laughs) because you're like i don't know if this is going to work or not but i know i got to do it yeah and if i don't do it then i'm not going to be happy with myself you know and recognizing that the the risk of the unknown is of more value than the perceived comfort of staying the same. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, (laughs) I feel like I'm that person in this episode. Beautiful. (laughs) But it is. I mean, I love that you're sharing that as a practice, as an accessible practice that spirituality doesn't have to be this big giant thing it can be and it can be these breakthrough experiences and it can be a micro day-to-day watching and tuning in with ourselves uh that's what i feel like i hear and i'm like oh yes that's awesome how accessible is that if someone listening is wanting to you know, try to connect with their own spiritual self, whether they're religious or not. You know, it doesn't even matter. Like it's almost a practice with the intuition and the spiritual self is, yeah, like very accessible. So let me talk a little bit on this road because you asked me a question and I felt like I went down a path, but I didn't truly answer. And I feel like I have a clearer answer to your question yeah, earlier. Great. In, the, in the course of my life, I've made a point to study every concept of religion that I felt of interest. So I've read the Quran and I've read the Tibetan Book of the Dead and I've looked at all these different religions and gotten scope 
of it, you know, and be like, mm-hmm. what's going on with all this different stuff and, and starting to see the commonalities in everything and relate it to always relating back to this, like, how do I feel? What's my inner voice tell me, you know, like, what is my, how do I, does this sit with me as something as that's a potential reality and maybe it's just a portions of it you know and like gleaning the value from all the teachings across all forms of spirituality has always been my goal like every spiritual form has value like let me take the value from christianity let me take the value from buddhism let me take the value from hinduism let me take the value from muslims you know like uh, everything i just want to i want to learn why these things are important to all the people that they're important to because obviously they're they have value right Mm -hmm. and so whatever form that can be i'd like to also receive that value um and the psychedelics also represented that for me in a large way and the first time that i encountered um the compound called uh, dimethyltryptamine dmt Mm -hmm. uh, that changed my life permanently there was no going back to who i was before i had had dmt because i've always approached things with this same i believe we have similar expressions of like everything is for me like Mm -hmm. there's a lesson here like i'm being given this for some reason this doesn't just happen it's not just random you know the the whole theory of the universe self-assembly is like the chances of the universe self-assembling are like a 747 just happening to put itself together in a scrapyard you know it's very very (laughs) unlikely that it's just happening (laughs) for no reason you know (laughs) there is a hot there is a uh intelligent design behind everything that is occurring that's a pretty common belief among science and religion right they kind of align on this one point of intelligent design and i I'm there as well. And my first encounters with DMT absolutely cemented an awareness of a realm outside of this realm that is virtually indescribable in relationship to the world that we live in, but is ultimately entangled and make sure I use the right words the the co-relationship is undeniable mm, yeah it's an it's almost it's fascinating like the, I hear that and I actually thought about your 12 10 year old self going I don't know and it almost it's like even down way down the road and correct me if i'm wrong it's like that i there's so much i don't know was illuminated for you and not that it, and it almost sounds like it wasn't scary to you as your older self or maybe it was but it sounds like it was equally as impactful of a moment for you to rediscover later on oh there's so much i don't know that i'm just now seeing I mean, it's a punch in the face of... <laughs> That's amazing. It's a punch in the face. Like You're just like, oh, you're starting to develop your spirituality? Here you go. Have a mouthful <laughs> of this. Kaboom. You know, like... <laughs> And you go, holy crap, that's a million times, a billion, trillion, hundred, zillion more than I ever could have potentially thought was even <laughs> potentially possible. 
oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> so awesome. I can't even, I'm like, I distinctly remember thinking one of my very first times um, with the experience of DMT, I thinking to myself, I couldn't imagine this. This isn't possible for my imagination to be creative enough to have come up with this. It's beyond human potential. Like Ugh. I had distinctly, I'm like, this is not imaginable. This is so a gap from everything that exists that you can't just come up with it. Ugh. Damn. Which actually I think is a good segue to the last thing I want to talk about. And that is your relationship with nature. I know your relationship with nature is very special to you, and we've talked about it on previous episodes, but I want you to tell us about that relationship that you have with nature as it relates to your spiritual experience and self. So I got to go back to the starting point, which is mortality. Please. Okay. Right? Um, I mortality. Think this is, yeah. I mean, living in America, there's a really big big hole in our concept of self that detaches from death that doesn't teach us about the the beautiful process that is death and that it is a perfectly normal part of our lives and it's a beautiful part of our lives and it's and it that you know, if it depends on which spiritual point of view you're sitting in, whether how you look at death or whether it's finite or whether it's infinite or whatever version in between, right? There's a million different ways you can view death. And I think that the when it comes to nature, like I was out for a run this morning and I ran past a carcass. Right, because I live in a rural area, and it's mm -hmm. not uncommon to, to have animals. There's animals everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And there was an animal carcass on the side of the trail where I was running, you know. And I remember looking down at it, and I was kind of thinking, "Is it a dog? Is it a bear? Like, what is it? It's a pretty large, furry carcass, you know." And and just in relating to that, like that animal's life ended, you know, and it's turning back into the ground. And it's turning back into the plants and the whole cycle of life thing, you know, like the small fish gets eaten by the bigger fish, gets eaten by the bigger fish, gets eaten by the other ant. Like this whole process, I remember this as a young boy and being a child and, and looking at this cycle of life and just going, wow, this isn't crazy how it's all just like circular. It's all just going around inside of itself, you know, and our, our journey it's infinitely connected to everything you know there's no separation from nature we are nature you know yeah. we are we are the earth we are the stars we are the sky we are everything and everything is each other and everything so i can totally remember being young and thinking i the concept of i that I am alone or that I am separate or that I am an individual and that I in some way am isolated, right? And this whole concept is just a construct of the imagination that doesn't isn't the truth. 
It is not yeah. the truth. It, the truth is everything is integrally connected. And you can see that in geometry. You can see it in geology. You can see it in the plant world. You can see it in the animal world. Everything's connected from every single part. It's through branches of a trees. It's through the roots of a mycelial network. It's through the air that goes in our lungs and comes back out that the trees breathes back in. And, you know, the, yeah. the same water that's on the earth now is the same water that was here a million years ago. You know, it's, it's infinitely connected. And spending time in nature enough like getting away from man's creation of isolation and making little boxes to you know to put ourselves in and getting out to where you truly where we can have the opportunity to be present to the infinite beauty that this world has to offer i mean there's such so that deep spiritual connection to nature it's always been there and it's always in all of us like children find it right away and i can relate to it in my younger years in so many ways but it started in the sky for me when i really started to get it was when i started to fly and i started to be able to go up way above the earth and hang up in the sky with my feet dangling, you know, beneath me. Because for me, it was always when I would be under the parachute and be alone and just be in the sky or in the airplane, cruising thousands of feet in the air and just observing all that is, you know, from this vantage point. That vantage point has been a point of perspective, you know. It truly is. And mountains have offered me that same And in some ways, it's even more um, valuable to climb, to use your own power. Like the simplest thing is all I am is a man and I have two legs and two hands and two eyes and one foot in front of the other. You can walk to the top of the most incredible precipice. It's amazing where our feet can take us. It's incredible. And the vantage points, the, the vistas, and the sitting in solitude to just observe. And I keep glancing over at the photographs around me, you know, that I have that remind me of the places that I've been. And it's no, there's no greater connection to all that we are than those moments of you know, sitting on the mountaintop. And it's the whole thing of what the monks live on the mountaintop. There's a reason why, you know. Right. They don't live up there by accident. They don't make that, you know, that pilgrimage up and down those crazy, if you think about the amazing temples around the world that live where these monks have built these places that are incredibly hard to reach, they put them in there so it's hard to get to so that you actually have to work. (laughs) Because you can't just get it given to you, you know. you got to walk the path. Yeah, that sounds like a almost a really great end sentiment. And I would invite you definitely to share anything else that you want to share before we close out this episode. But the idea that the spiritual journey can be very arduous 
and often is very arduous for all of us. And so, and that's okay, and that's good, and that's beautiful, and ah, oh, just feel invited into that onto that path. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're saying that, but I I feel that, you know, and that will obviously do my episode on this topic. But uh, yeah, well, suffering, you know, that there's this massive value in suffering, and the Buddhists have a lot to say about suffering and the practice of suffering and yeah. why we have to suffer. It's like suffering is like how we know that we're alive, you know? And if we're, if we're pushing ourselves, if we're challenging ourselves and we're, we know what we're doing is hard, then we're growing. That's what it comes back to, right? The, the, the concept that if it's easy, then we don't really get any value out of it. It has to have a relationship of challenge of to create growth. This is what the basis of evolution is. The reason why life forms change is because of challenge, right? They don't change because life is easy. They yeah. change because life is hard, mm -hmm. right? Whatever space they find themselves in, nature has placed a challenge now that whatever being has to adapt and that includes us and that includes spirituality you know? yeah uh it so of all the things that we've talked about today what have we missed like what is there because we i want to make sure we're covering important bits and make sure that i haven't missed anything um or if you want to expand on any point just please let's let's hear that I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is the idea that every every belief system, every value system, every concept of um, or method of teaching are all of value. I, I would never, I, I choose consciously to state that it does not matter to me what somebody's particular choice of uh, religious or spiritual beliefs are whether they have none or whether they're completely on one or whether it's open you know like I've been at the point in my life where I'm like I don't know yeah I strictly do not know like I yep. don't have enough information to make an educated decision therefore I don't know totally. or oh my god this is really obvious the answer is right here I completely <laughs> know like this is like this is the answer right here and that's either end of the spectrum right and sure. whether that comes from an internal experience or whether it comes from information that we're given in whatever form if we're given that in writing if we're given that in music if we're given that in nature or if we're given that through a molecular compound if we're given it through whatever means you know it doesn't matter whatever form there's a million forms of information transmission in this experience called life and no one is of a greater value than another amen <laughs> but um bump <laughs> no but for real absolutely i mean that feels to me like the perfect place to end yeah, I agree. and i so appreciate you and your sharing i i just so respect 
you know, this, your willingness to share this and just be a person, be a man in this type of experience, sharing and, and modeling openness and vulnerability, all the things that we talk about on Trust the Journey. Like, I really want to acknowledge you for that because I think, I, I believe it makes a difference for you to just really just share yourself and share your path, share your experiences, and also share it with that complete and total non-judgment and complete openness and acceptance of others in whatever path they're on. Like that is just amazing and beautiful. Thank you very much, Melanie. I feel honored to have the opportunity to share and you make it very easy and comfortable to be able to do so. And what I've learned on this journey so far is the more real that I am, the more honest that I am, the more just frank, and this is just my experience and right, wrong, who no judgment, the more that empowers others to feel the same and to do so the same, and then the less confusing and the more comfortable and the easier everything is. Yeah, I, I echo that wholly and completely. Absolutely. And truly, guys, I know we say it at the start of every episode, but please feel welcome to join the Trust the Journey family if you want to expand into conversations like this for yourself. We welcome that. It is a very safe space for vulnerability. We create it for that specifically intentionally in mind so that we can, we all can collectively and individually explore these questions for ourselves. Thanks a lot, Melanie. Yeah, exactly. So team, trust the journey today. You know where to go. We love you so much. As always, the usual, the usual, truly keep laughing, keep loving and keep trusting the journey. Love you. We love you.